ever had a chance to uh, be here, uh, maybe when Mike Mercer was here, he was here a few years ago, uh, helping us take a team down to Biloxi, Mississippi, where we helped uh, the rebuilding of houses down there after Katrina. And I remember one of the houses we got to help in was uh, the mayor's house of Biloxi, Mississippi. They had gutted it on the inside because of the flood, and now it was time for drywall. And uh, and I just happened to be there, and I had a little experience hanging sheetrock, and I pulled together some people who never had but wanted to learn. And in a week, we taped it and textured it and, and got it ready for them to paint and uh, do the finish and begin to move in. And it was uh, just a lot of fun. What a blessing this mayor had you know, basically been serving his community, neglecting his own need for housing. And I would just really appreciated Compassion First, which was a ministry that started out of uh, Beaverton, uh, Port, uh, the Portland area, the Beaverton Foursquare Church. And uh, they went, and they were just moved with compassion. And you can see about 13 years ago, they started this ministry in Indonesia. I really appreciate their ministry there. I've heard about it for several years, always wondered uh, how it was going and I had a chance to sit down with Mike and talk to him just uh, about a month ago and he said it was amazing uh, the number of girls that they were helping and the restoration that was happening uh, through the help of of course uh, indigenous people there in Indonesia as well as their oversight and their training and their covering and I appreciate how God is stretching his love and care around the world through the body of Christ. Could we all say amen together? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And there are so many needs in the world. This one happens to be a horrific need. It, it, it's part of what's going on in many countries like Indonesia and others in, in the, uh, the, the Asian uh, countries and, and continent over there. So. Uh, we just wanted to partner. They're trying to build a facility in Bali, which seems to be a central hub and network for this activity. And so uh, I had a conversation with Mike, and he asked if I could ask our church to help. I'll put a little picture up uh, on, the, on the screen for you up here and for you online. Uh, but it's a picture of a little, a little girl. And uh, uh, this is the target, if you can imagine. Okay, a little girl, and the and the uh, the title on this brochure, brochure is "Home for Christmas," trying to rescue and bring these young uh, people home, uh, back to their families. But first, they need a restoration and recovery from the horrific things that they've been through in their life. That's who we want to reach. That's who we want to help Jesus save. And I just wanted you to see that. Uh, I, I just. As I've been praying about this and thinking about it, I just feel like the Lord has given me a heart for that part of the country because God loves the world and certainly these little girls. So thank you for partnering with Christmas Conspiracy. Like I mentioned, over 20,000 already. What I do want to say is that the size of your gift is not what's important. It's just important to give something from your heart. The Apostle Paul, uh, there were times when uh, the church, the early church, took special offerings. Uh, of course, I think we all know it's, it's right to, to honor God with the first fruits of our income. That's something we learn to do as a believer, to honor the Lord and to give to the Lord weekly or monthly as a part of our worship to him. And that's awesome, and I appreciate that. Your, this church gives between sixty dollars and $70,000 every month to support our ministry and outreach in this community. And so, praise the Lord for that. It's 
is something I want to thank you for, but not really. It's, it's something that we're responsible to do, and it glorifies God, and our faith glorifies God. So thank you for doing it, but to be honest, it's, it's the Lord who says, hallelujah, I'm really proud of your faith. So with that said, it's important to understand you can't give what you don't have. You can only give what you have, and sometimes our, our resources are really limited, and if that's you this year at Christmas time, Please understand, it's not the size, it's the heart. Remember the story in Luke 21 of the, of the woman who, she gave only two mites in the offering. All these people were coming with large, large sums because they had a lot. And, and Jesus told his disciples, this woman who gave two cents, basically two mites, uh, gave more than all the rest because they gave out of their excess, but she gave out of what she needed to live on. And, and so it's, it's, not, it's not the size, it's your heart. And thankfully, some of us can give more, and there are huge needs. Uh, praise the Lord that there are some with faith to give more, and that God has given you that ability to do it. Some of us have to give less, because we have less to give. And so we're not asking you to go without eating, we're simply asking you to partner with whatever would be a sacrifice uh, to honor the Lord this Christmas season, to give from our heart, to help reach the world uh, with the gospel and the power of Jesus Christ. So thank you for partnering and doing that. And Jesus, here this morning as we uh, just continue to worship with our giving, Lord, thank you for your heart to help these young women, Lord, and boys in some countries, uh, possibly even this one. Lord, thank you for your heart to reach the world. Heavenly Father, we ask forgiveness for our sins, just the sins of this world. Lord, they're horrific. And so, Lord, we pray for mercy and grace. Use our offering to partner with others in Bali, Indonesia, Lord, to help these girls come home for Christmas. We thank you for that. Thank you for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. And could well say amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Uh, if you brought a Bible this morning, uh, grab it this morning. Uh, I want to I start looking at the Christmas story, if that's okay with you this morning. Uh, I don't know if you're getting the mood for Christmas yet. Uh, I don't know if you've made time to start reading the Christmas story. I encourage you, please, to, to read uh, Luke chapter 1, chapter 2, Matthew chapter 1, John chapter 1. What an amazing Christmas story section of verses in the Gospel of John. Read First John, the first uh, chapter. All of it reflects and refers to the miracle of uh, the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. I love the Christmas story, just, just warning you. <laughs> okay, I love the Christmas story. I, I, really, I love the miraculous nature uh, of the Christmas story. I love the angels that appears to uh, Zechariah, we'll read this morning, uh, but also to Mary and then to Joseph as he's struggling with the idea that his fiance is pregnant and he's not the father and, you know, he's, he, he, he's afraid. He wants to, he has to divorce her. According to the law, he, he's required. And, and thankfully, uh, 
the, the, the angel comes to help him understand there's something greater than the law. God is doing something new through this new baby, the person of Jesus Christ. And it was hard for him to grasp that kind of faith. But I, I love the miraculous nature of the Christmas story. It is a story that is breaking into humanity, into the mind and the, the conscience, the heart of the Jewish people and, and to us. Uh, around the world. I, I love the angels appearing to the shepherds out in the fields watching over their flocks by night. I love the star that appears to, to the, uh, the magi in, in the east, you know. Uh, these guys are apparently somewhat serious, earnest seekers, I guess you could say. And aren't you glad that God provides travel guides for people who are earnestly seeking him. The star directs them to uh, Israel, to Jerusalem. And then from there, if you read it carefully, you'll see that the, 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 the star appears a second time and personally leads them to the, where the child was. This was a supernatural uh, a star. I, I, I just love it. I love the idea of God lying in a feeding trough for animals. I mean, the manger scene is so cute on the little cards at Christmas time, isn't it? And that little, you know, that little box that is supposed to represent a feed box for animals. <laughs> the God of the universe is lying in a feed box. I mean, you think of the humility of God to, to come and save mankind. It's just... An amazing story. I love to read it, think about it, see new things in it every time I do. Um, but what's important as we start this morning, uh, it, it's not a once upon a time story. It's, it's not Cinderella. It's not Beauty and the Beast, okay? It, it's not a once upon a time story. It's a historical fact. The Christmas story is history. This is God's story rooted in history. Why is that important? Because the Christmas story can change history for you. The, the Christmas story can change history for these girls in Bali. The Christmas story has power to change our lives. It invades our history, our circumstance, wherever we are. The Christmas story is alive today, and we're going to see that this morning as we talk through some scriptures. And I just think that's really important. It's rooted in history. It took place in history 2,000 years ago, but it can, change, it can change our lives today. So this morning, as we're going to read in Luke chapter 1, verse 8 through, through 20, we're going to start with an older couple. If you've never read it before, uh, their names are Zechariah and Elizabeth. They're probably in their 60s, uh, maybe in their 70s. All their life, they've wanted to have a child, but never been able uh, to, to have that blessing. In spite of their disappointment, I, I just can't imagine, you know, month after month, year after year, just the disappointment of not being able to have a child. I don't know how that affects a marriage. But in spite of the disappointment, it says in the first couple of verses that we won't actually read, but if you want to glance at them there, they're there that they were faithful to the Lord in spite of their disappointment. Every time I read it, that, that ministers to me. They were faithful to the Lord with all their lives. Zechariah was a, a priest. He served in the temple. Uh, he offered sacrifices that were part of a tradition uh, that goes clear back to the book of Exodus and, and Le Leviticus. So, so he has this traditional faith that's, that's part of the, the law of of, of, 
of Moses, uh, that Israel has had a part of their, their lives for more than 2,000 years to this time. But God is beginning something new. It's time for a promise to be fulfilled. It goes clear back to Genesis. It's carried through the prophets in the Old Testament. And now we're going to read out about that being set in motion here. Uh, the title of the message this morning, by the way, is The Power of God's Word. Uh, let me begin reading in verse 8. And I'll read down through verse 20. It says, One day, uh, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, uh, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go to the temple of the Lord and burn incense. When the time came for the burning of the incense, which, by the way, is symbolic of, of prayers of the people of Israel for the Messiah to come. That's what this portion of the sacrifice and the ceremony was all about. This is symbolic of prayers throughout history of the people of Israel for the Messiah to come. So he's uh, burning uh, incense. The time came. And all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So it's interesting that they couldn't go inside. Uh, you and I take for granted that we can actually go into the very presence of God through our faith in Jesus Christ and experience intimacy with him. But they couldn't back then. People were kept outside. They couldn't enter into the holy place uh, in the temple. Verse 11. Uh, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. I can't imagine what that felt like when the angel said that to him after all the years of waiting. You will, you will have a son. Verse 14. Uh, he will be a joy and a delight to you and, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Uh, he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Uh, he is never to take wine or other fermented drink and and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many people, uh, <clears throat> bring back many of the uh, people of Israel uh, to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. Remember, Elijah is the one who called down fire from heaven. This man of tremendous fortitude and and zeal and passion for the Lord. He will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. Uh, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. Notice the gospel has a, a, a social benefit, healing our families, the hearts of the parents to their children and uh, the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife... Uh, is no spring chicken herself. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. Now this is present tense. Gabriel is standing in the temple speaking to Zechariah while he is standing in the presence of God. How many know that God is everywhere? <laughs> in him we live and move and have our being. And of course, the angel is saying, look, I'm, I'm saying this standing in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me 
to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and able, unable to speak until the child is born, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at their proper time. I'm going to read that last sentence in verse 20, because that's the focus of our sermon this morning. For my words, for God's word, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. I think we all believe that God's word is powerful, don't we? God's word is powerful. It's powerful. But I'd love to allow us a few minutes to think about what that means, God's word. You know, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In verse three, it says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. I don't know if we can, can try to grasp what that means uh, with, with our natural mind. You know, some, there's not a lot about creation in Genesis chapter one. It's picked apart by scientists and people all the time. You know, God didn't say a lot. He just said, trust me. And I think the reason why is because trying to explain his power, the power of his word, trying to explain what existed before anything in the beginning, it, it would be kind of like trying to explain the internet to an ant. I, I mean, I just, you know, he could spend all day and I don't, we, we can't get it. We, we, we couldn't ever get our mind around it. We, we, we ha our brain, as smart as you think you are, we only use 10% of it. And, and so, and some of that's on the shelf for me. But anyway, we, we just, we, we can't get our mind around it. God's awesome power and, and the power of his word. In Genesis chapter three, he promised he would send a savior. He said to the serpent, the, the seed of the woman, that a savior would come through the seed of a woman and, and, and you will strike his heel, but he will crush your head. And, and when, when God said that in Genesis three, that meant game on, buddy. You, you have tried to take from me what's precious, my people, and I'm gonna take them back. And you're gonna strike the Savior. You're gonna strike his heel, but I'm gonna crush your head. That was game on. And that's what Christmas is all about. I know we think it's this beautiful story, but... First uh, John chapter three verse eight says, "But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil." There was a violence at Christmas time. God was invading the earth, taking back what was His. It was powerful. Uh, Genesis chapter twelve. God spoke. He spoke to Abraham, "You will become the father of many nations." And of course, at that time, Sarah and Abraham couldn't have children. Once again, biologically, that promise could not be fulfilled. So God had to do the miraculous. 25 years later, Isaac is born. And through Isaac, the, the nation of Israel. Through the nation of Israel, a Messiah comes. And through the Messiah, people in every nation can be born again through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of us who believe in Jesus are of the seed of Abraham, it says in Galatians chapter one. We have that same seed of faith, to walk by faith, not by sight, to leave our home country and journey toward a home that we'll have in heaven. That, that is all part of this story and it's all set in motion 
by the power of God's word. God's word is powerful. Everything that God has done throughout history has been through the power of his word. You think about, I don't know, Second Chronicles 20 with uh, uh, Jehoshaphat. Remember King Jehoshaphat, three kings, uh, join alliance and decide to come against Jehoshaphat. They're, you know, Israel once again, totally outnumbered. There's no chance. They have no hope. So he calls the whole nation to fast and pray. He gets, I, I wish we had leaders that would do this. He gets down on his knees before God in front of the nation and says, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And, and then someone with prophetic anointing, a pedigree, his father was a prophet, he was a prophet, stands and says, don't be afraid. We won't have to fight this battle for the battle is the Lord's. Stand still and see the salvation of God. And uh, of course, if you know the story, when Jehoshaphat hears those words, he gets all excited. He says, if this is God's battle, we're going to put the choir in front of the army. <laughs> and they're going to go out before the army and singing, oh, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. They didn't even f f shoot an arrow. God's power came to deliver uh, Israel's enemies and we, we see that throughout history throughout history it's God's word that accomplishes what he wants to accomplish it says in Psalms 107 verse 20 he sent out his word and healed them that's a prophecy in the Old Testament of Jesus coming we know Jesus is the word the word became flesh it's all part of that same word where God spoke, said, let there be light. When God spoke and said, I'll send a, a, a savior and you will strike his heel, but he will crush his head. Same word as he gave to Abraham, it, you become the father of many nations. The same word throughout history. And then on Christmas, of course, the word became flesh and, and, and dwelt among us. And now... The word continues to be among us. Let me read uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 8 and 9. It says, but what does it say? The word is near you and in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith uh, which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let me read that again because I want you to think about it. I want you to think about our gathering. I, I want you to think about your own life and when you get to share your faith. The word is near you. It's near you. And it's in your heart that is the word of faith which we are preaching that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is the Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How many of you believe Jesus is Lord? Will you confess with me, Jesus is Lord? Jesus is Lord. How many believe God raised him from the dead? Could we confess it together? God raised him from the dead. Now, you didn't come up with that on your own. You're not that smart. You really didn't. You didn't come up with that on your own. It was the word. The word that was sent to you when someone preached. It, it was the word that God spoke in the beginning. It was the word that became flesh and dwelled among us. It was the word that was sent out to the world through the apostles on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell. It was the word that has been passed down from generation to generation. And that word, 
it said in Romans. That word is near you, and it's among you, and it's in your heart, and it's in your lives, and it's flowing through your lives as you declare that word to others, and that word will be carried on from generation to generation until Jesus comes back a second time. And this is what the angel said, God's word, my word, will be fulfilled at the proper time. The word of God is powerful. Everything we know, everything we believe, I mean, we're all, we're absolutely connected, dependent on, empowered by the word of God. You're empowered by it in your devotion time in the morning when you get up. You start reading the word, and all of a sudden the word comes alive and it stirs your heart. Do you understand that we're part of a miracle? The miracle of Christmas is alive because the word is alive in you today. It's alive in us today. It's part of who we are today. Hallelujah. Glory to God in the highest. Could someone say amen? Glory to God in the highest. It's amazing that we're part of that word that came at Christmas but still lives in us today. I'm so thankful for that. I'm thinking of uh, later in Luke chapter 1 when Mary, remember the Magnificat when Mary praises the Lord, how she rejoices in the Lord, her Savior, for he's chosen me. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Remember that phrase of Mary in the Magnificat, this song that she gives of praise to the God? She had the privilege of giving birth to God's son, Christ in her, Jesus. She was the first, but not the last. It says in the book of Colossians, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, Mary was the only one to experience Jesus in a biological way. Through the power and the coming upon of the Holy Spirit, she conceived Jesus in a biological way. But when you were born again, Jesus' life was conceived in you. And, and you're part of that same miracle from generation to generation to generation to all who believe. And that's why when I read the Christmas story, I get so excited because it's a living story that's alive in my life. It's alive in our fellowship. It's alive in our hearts. Do you believe the word of God? Do you? Do you believe the word of God? I, I think the church is being tested right now. I really do. I, I just think there's a testing now, we're always being tested, aren't we? I mean, aren't we always being confronted with the reality of our sin and our sin nature and our flesh? We, we wrestle against that. We struggle with it. Uh, we're always living in a world that's not our home. We're always confronted with the fact, you know, Jesus talks to his disciples and basically he said, look, they're going to hate you because they don't know me. And they don't understand anything about you or anything about your faith. It, it's, it's not surprising that we as believers, that people in the world wouldn't understand us. They wouldn't understand our faith. They wouldn't understand at all what's going on with us. Why are you so weird? Yeah, I don't know. But, but they just don't. But we're going through a, 
a, a unique time of testing right now. I'll just say it that way. Psalms 11, verse 3 says, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Let me read it again. Think about it. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? We live in a time when it feels like the world is being turned upside down, doesn't it? I mean, everything we trusted in, the foundations, it's like when the foundations are shaken, what can the righteous do? Trust in the word. I mean, that's really what we have to do right now. We have to grasp, we have to hold on to, we have to focus in on the word and of course feed ourselves with the word. I feel like so many people are questioning God's word. Christians who lined up on certain political sides right now are questioning God's word. We're fighting in the church over whether we should or shouldn't wear masks. That should not happen. I'm not gonna require you to wear one. I just don't think that's our fight. And yet believers are on opposing sides of an issue that t- to me is, 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 shouldn't be a, a, a big issue. I, I, I just feel like the world is being turned upside down right now in a variety of different ways and I don't know what, you're, what side you're on in any one of those battles. I feel like it's important to respect one another and, and keep one another safe, but I just think it's important for us to grab onto the word and let the word of God be our focus right now. We have to put our faith and our trust in Jesus and in the word. It says, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 said, like newborn babes crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Faith is not an easy thing. It's a supernatural thing. It's, it's not an easy thing. It doesn't come natural to our, our logical mind. See, when the angel came to Zechariah, Zechariah said, it's too late. I'm too old. I've had too many disappointments. I've had too many failures. I feel like sometimes, you know, even though that Zechariah was faithful, the spark went out. You know what I'm saying? He lost the fire. And and I'm concerned. I'm concerned for us as followers of Jesus. Uh, The apostle Paul said to Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. Faith is not easy. It is supernatural. And you need to know, the Lord says, my word will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. And that's true of his purpose in the world. That is true of his purpose for calling you personally to to faith. It's true of promises that he's given you as you begin to walk in your faith. My word will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. I had a chance to uh, meet with some pastors on Thursday. We had a Christmas lunch. And uh, gosh, I, I, I love being with my brothers. We have, we have some great pastors in our community. We really do. And 
they have great hearts. They, they love God. And, and uh, did you know there are two words in the New Testament for the word? <laughs> for, for the, the word word is used two different ways with two different words. Are you following me? <laughs> okay, the, the first one is the word logos. And the word logos refers to the total inspired word of God from the time he spoke as he's fulfilling throughout history, all of the scripture written throughout history. The word logos uh, refers to the total inspired word of God. Okay, uh, John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. <laughs> referring to the person of Jesus Christ the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we've seen his glory okay that's the word logos how many believe that God will fulfill his word at the proper time there's another word in the Bible for word it's the Greek word rhema and it has to do with the spoken word or utterance it has to do with the things that God speaks to create faith in our heart. It has to do with the scripture that ministers to you on a Sunday morning or in your devotion time. It has to do with ways that God speaks to us to, to strengthen our faith. It says in Romans uh, 10 verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the word there is the word rhema. And isn't it interesting how God can speak something through his word? You're going through your devotion, you're just reading, and all of a sudden something just, just leaps off the page. Many of us have had different promises. You know, I don't want to go too far with promises, but, but certainly scriptures that have stirred our heart that we felt like the Lord gave us to, to give us direction for our life. I, when the Lord gave me years and years ago, uh, Psalms 32, verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go and counsel you with my eye upon you. I, I don't know about you, but I need that. I need the Lord's instruction. I just, I just do. And uh, the man who gave me that word, the pastor that gave me that word, said, I believe that God is going to teach you to hear the Lord walk in the Spirit, and you're going to help others learn to hear the Lord walk in the Spirit. He didn't know me from Adam. In fact, that was before I felt the calling to become a pastor. My word will be fulfilled at the proper time. And I believe there are things that he's spoken to you. So back to Thursday morning with the pastors, um, I was asked to give the little devotion, so uh, much shorter than I'm doing right now. Uh, I, I used uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 20, uh, my words, God's words, will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. So I asked them a question. I said, what was the word God gave you when he called you to himself? What was the word God gave you when he called you to himself? Did you sense that you were away from God, that you turned your back on God? Did you feel his love, his acceptance, or his forgiveness when he called you back to himself? What word did, did God give you when he called you? I, I hope you know that you didn't figure out faith on your own. <laughs> it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
and every one of us who know Jesus, it was because we heard the voice of God. However that worked out in a practical way through this person or that person, this church service, watching Billy Graham, whatever it was that called you, it was God. He, he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, God's word is powerful and God's word is personal. So when he called you, there was something that he was adjusting in you, healing in you. He sent his word to heal them. There was something he wanted to do new in you to bring about his new life in you. What was that? I was amazed. <laughs> pastors started talking. You have a bunch of pastors in this community that were, they were in the darkness before they came to Jesus. I mean, they were a long ways from God. And it was great to hear their stories of addiction or drugs or not that those things are great, but just some of them, thankfully, you know, they grew up in the church. One of them, his father was a pastor, and yet he had a unique experience where he felt called by God. And then we got into sharing promises that God had given uh, for, for our lives personally and for our calling in our life. And it, it was wonderful to, to, to hear all those things. It's his word that sustains you. All of us, you know, we're on a journey of faith. We go through peaks and valleys, if you know what I mean. And it's so important for us to remind ourselves, my word will be fulfilled at the proper time. Could we say it together? My word will be fulfilled at the proper time. God's word will be fulfilled in your life. He's got a calling on your life. He called you out of darkness to himself. This whole Christmas story thing is a living story that we're all a part of in Christ. And there are specific things that God has done in you and is doing through you to touch a needy world. And his word will be fulfilled at the proper time. So I'm gonna invite our worship team to come on up and uh, we're gonna close uh, with that hymn again, Oh Praise the Name. But I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning and uh, we're going to say a, a prayer together. Uh, and, and as we sing, oh, praise the name. Would you think about that word when he called you? Or, or would you think about those promises that he's given you? There's something about us expressing faith this morning in what God has done. Oh, praise the name. Uh, that's powerful. It's powerful in defeating the enemy's skis. Remember, we're in a battle. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. We're in a battle, and we get to destroy the enemy's tactics by the sword of the Spirit, uh, which is the Word of God, it says in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 6. And that phrase, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, that's the word rhema. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And there are those words that God has given you. There are memorial stones in your life that have come at significant times of decision or faith or discouragement. Uh, they've come in as discouragement. And you need to take hold of them. <laughs> Grab onto them. They're the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God that you get to use in spiritual battle as we declare praise. So, Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that your word will be fulfilled at the proper time. 
And Lord, during this season of chaos and confusion, I want to thank you that it's your word that we grab onto and we hold onto, Jesus, in your strong name. We thank you for the power of your word that carries us and strengthens us. And Lord, for the different ministries and callings in this room today, Lord, your word will be fulfilled at the proper time. We thank you for that in advance. We trust you for it. And we declare praise to you in faith that it will come. In Jesus' name, thank you.